People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon introducing you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. And let me tell you about my guest, a South African swimmer who's won an Olympic gold medal in the 4 by 100 meter freestyle relay at the 2004 Summer Olympics, very, very famously. And I'm talking about Rek Nietling. He's also won a number of prizes, as we know, three individual gold medals at the 2006 FINA World Championships in Shanghai, nine-time NCAA champion, and 1999 NCAA Swimmer of the Year. And he's the former joint owner of the 4x100-meter freestyle relay world record. And on top of all that, broke the 100-individual medley world record three times in 2005. And importantly, he is the first South African to compete in four successive Olympic Games. But now, he's shareholder and marketing director of Valdivia Estate, a luxury property development in Franschhoek here in South Africa. And, Rake, a warm welcome to Fine Music Radio and to People of Note. It's a great honor to have you here. No, thank you very much, Rodney. It's nice to be here. I say an honor because, I mean, you have been feted. We know from the numerous awards you've won. But I just want to start right now and say, how did you end up being the director of a luxury estate in Franschhoek, which seems far removed from the competitive world of swimming? It might seem far removed, but I don't think it's that far removed. Oh, it is definitely competitive, and I work with a great team, which is quite similar to the way that I was part of that, you know, gold, the gold medal you know, winning team yeah. in Athens. But so I studied in America, uh, lived there for almost twelve years, and then after I, I got my degree, I worked for a for a commercial real estate development company. What was your degree in? What did you study? I studied in? industrial psychology okay. or organizational psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I worked for this commercial real estate uh, you know, development firm. Started right at the bottom. We'd do cold calling in the middle of summer, you know, going to factories and warehouses and asking people if they need more space. Had three you know, shirts in my car because I would sweat so much that I would have to change. And so that it was really where my love for property, you know, started. And then uh, when I came back to South Africa, one day I received a call, uh, which back in those days happened quite often where I got calls, you know, from magazines and they wanted like to do see you back in those days. <laughs> back yeah. in those days, not anymore. <laughs> and uh, they wanted to fly me down to Cape Town. I was living in Pretoria at the time. And I thought, okay, well, it's a nice weekend in Cape Town, you know, in the Cape Islands, and um, they wanted to do an article in the Valdivie magazine. I had no idea what what Valdivie was. I, I just thought it's a nice trip to the... Mm. To a know, beautiful spot in the world. Yes. <laughs> and uh, when I drove through the gates, I completely fell in love with the place. There were only about 20 homes. There were very few trees. It was dusty. It was in the middle of February, and, you know, it can get very hot. Yeah. So why did you fall in love? <laughs> Do you know why? You know, I think my family, you know, comes from that area. Uh, obviously, my parents you know, grew up in Bloemfontein, but my great-grandfather grew up in in, in the Paul Franschuk area. Okay. So I think uh, there was some, you know, like romantic notion of, yeah. you know, going home. And uh, but I just saw the vision that you know that Martin Fenter, who's the the developer of Aldevie, the original developer, and um, he you know he showed me around, and I could just see uh, the polar field was just kind of laid, and you know he told me you know one day we're going to get Prince Harry to come play polo here, and you know I. I believed him, and eventually we got Prince Harry to he come did. and play polo. Yeah, famously, didn't he? And That's also right. back then is when he planted the seed that he wants to get Andrea Bocelli to sing on the polo field. And it took us. Um, I went back the other day to go look at the first email I sent to his management company, and you know, and it happened recently. So for me, it was really about vision. I could see the vision. I could feel it, although there wasn't much there. I bought into it. I was never an official ambassador or the, never paid by Valdivia. I was just in love with the place. I would tell everybody about it. And this was in the midst of the property 
you know, crash. So probably the worst time <laughs> to <laughs> exactly to get involved. Yeah. But in in hindsight, maybe the best because you know I don't think anybody wanted to touch it with a ten foot pole. But I got involved, and it took a while. It took about five years for things to 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 change and to turn around. But uh, so how long have you been there now? Well, I first arrived there in two thousand nine. So I've been involved now with uh, you know with the estate a little bit more than ten years. Yeah. I've been living down here. This is my ninth year now, and uh, yeah, it's been a great it's been a great decade. So literally, you were invited down to do what a magazine article. You fell in love with the place, and the next minute you're actually working for them. Yeah, is yep. the story of how this happened. And then I became the editor of the magazine, oh, as well okay. as 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 you know um, as part of my my job. I've made a few you know, vintages of wine, opened a swim school, and obviously I'm a shareholder in the, in the property development business. So, yeah, completely invested find, in the area. Absolutely. We're going to find out more about that in a moment. But interesting you, met, uh, you mentioned Andre Bocelli because I see that's your first piece of music. And was it all it was made up to be, this Andre Bocelli concert? I believe it was packed and incredible. Yes, for us it was. You know, obviously it was a dream come true. You know, more than 10 years of you know, talking about it, trying. Mm-hmm. And then the opportunity came about a year ago. I'm also the CEO of the Princess Charlene of Monaco Foundation, and uh, I was approached th- you know, through the foundation. I contacted you know, guys from big concerts, and the timing just worked out that it was after the polo season. It was over Easter. Everything worked perfectly, and uh, you know, it was a great show. Him and his management team were really enjoyed it as well. They they mentioned they would, that they would love to come back. Um, so Did they stay at the estate? No, they didn't stay. They they came in from Sabi Sabi, you know, the morning of, and then and not too left. shabby. Yeah, Sabi Sabi. <laughs> and then they left right after the show. But okay. um, for us, it was it was really spectacular. And the song, you know, when I. When this song you know, started playing, it was a very emotional time, and the song's called What If, or if, or if Only, excuse me. Vedrai, vedrai, tu vali sì per me qualcosa più dell'oro, qualcosa come un'alba che io aspetto.
tu che muovi il mondo, tu che soffi forte il vento e il grano. Well, a voice loved by thousands of people, Andrew Bocelli there and the song If Only, the first choice of my guest on People of Note this week on Fine Music Radio, Rake Nierdeling. And we take, speaking to you, Rake, both as the shareholder and marketing director of Valdivia Estates in Franschhoek, but also because of your phenomenal, successful background. But let's just continue for the moment with Franschhoek and Valdivia. And just listening to that, did you meet Andrew Bocelli and chat to him? Did, it, did you bond with him? I wouldn't say that we bonded, but uh, <laughs> but I did get to meet him. And um, my marketing manager, you know, for the estates, spent three days with them, actually with the whole family, you know, in the bush. And uh, she kept on sending me WhatsApps and oh, okay. calling me, saying, you know, just what a incredible family they are. Extremely talented. Uh, did he come out with his son? Two sons, daughter. I think they were. 20, uh, oh, uh, 28 people. Um, so his wife, two sons. His one, so, his one son is he's a, a singer. Uh, well, he, so he's a singer, and then but he, he's got a son that's older than that in his mid twenties, and he's an engineer, like a I think it's a, a aeronautical. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so extremely bright um, and and talented, uh, you know, family. And uh, so when I got to meet him, just wanted to. To say, you know, like, welcome to Valdivie. Uh, it was the first time that he was in Cape Town, which is hard to believe in this, mm. you know, this beautiful place. But I got to speak to his son a little bit. Uh, I think we were so excited. Maybe just kept repeating ourselves, just saying welcome. <laughs> but extremely humble and down to earth. And I think what really made it special for me as well is, is that the timing worked because it was school holidays in Italy. And he is such a family man that this was the one time that he could bring his whole family out. And it was so important to him that that it had to be this time because his, his little daughter is still in school. And that is really what Valdivy is all about. You know, it's, um, it's about the family values and, and uh, made it extra special for us. May I ask you, I'm listening to Andre Bocelli and just looking at your choice of music coming up, which is going to be quite interesting. Do you enjoy opera and classical music or is it not really your scene? You're allowed to be honest, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I really appreciate it. I must say for the last five years, my focus has been, has been elsewhere and, yeah. and my music taste has maybe you know, stayed in the... The, you know the times where I had more time to appreciate it, but I must say the the concert was in, incredibly inspiring for mm. me, and and um, and it's definitely something that that um, now that things at Valdivy have calmed down, you know a little bit more to uh, you know, to spend a bit more time on. The um, crowd that you had there must have also been because apparently it was absolutely packed. Is that so? Yes, yes. I mean we were sold out in thirty five minutes. Good, good. Uh, the the Johannesburg show took a couple of months to sell out, so once it was out in the public, it sold out in less than an hour, and uh, everybody was very excited, and uh, I was very nervous. Um, it's not something that I want to do, you know, every year, really only for extremely special occasions. Yeah, because uh, my next question was going to be, will this make Valdivie? Will you be doing more of this sort of thing, getting a celebrity out here? And having a no, not concert. really. I think I think you put your brand at risk. Yeah, um, unfortunately, yeah. you put your your brand in the hands of people that uh, outsource companies outsource and outsource and outsource, and mm -hmm. you don't have a control over that. So mm -hmm. we're just very happy that the parking and everything you know worked well. Because so. it could also get damaged, couldn't Absolutely. it? Uh, the grass, the, the gardens of that amount of people yeah. could be damaging. Yeah. Yeah. So. But you didn't suffer any major setbacks. No, we didn't suffer anything, and. Uh, Thank goodness it didn't rain, uh, although yes. in April, I mean, we've got beautiful days this time of year. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, April and May for me is you know, some of the best times here. In, you really in sound as though you've fallen in love with Cape because uh, um, you spoke about coming home almost to your roots. But you are you were born in Bloemfontein, weren't you? And you spent a lot of time in Pretoria. Is that right? Uh, yes, I was born in Bloemfontein, lived there until I was 18 years old. 
then I was fortunate enough to get a, um, a full scholarship to go study and swim at the University of Arizona in Tucson, Arizona, and I spent uh, about 12 years there. And then I came back after the 2008 Olympics, um, came back, lived in Gauteng for a while, and, and, uh, and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take another piece of music now, um, Ray. Can I see you've got Eddie Vedder. Tell me about this piece and why you've chosen it. Well, you know, Eddie Vedder is, you know, um, he, he was part of a band called Pearl Jam. Uh, so, you know, kind of the grunge, but it's, uh, he, you know, one of his solo songs. And, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, it's from a movie called Lost in the Wild. And, you know, one of my favorite movies. And this song is called Society. Society. song called Society by Eddie Vedder. From what film, Ray, did you say? It's called Lost in the Wild. Lost in the Wild. Yeah, it's about a young man that just sells everything and he just goes off and he ends up in Alaska and um, there's a little bit of uh, 
small part of me that would you know sometimes would just like to not tell anybody where you're going and, <laughs> and just get lost. Well, that's given me an opportunity now just to remind our listeners that I'm talking to Rick Nickling. And um, I read somewhere, and I actually found this quite hard to believe, that in fact you are quite an introvert because of the nature of what you've been doing and all that and the endless interviews and panels, and one assumes you're not. But so you say that you're an introvert. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I've I've learned how to play a certain role I guess mm. when you're doing all these events uh, you obviously can't go stand in the corner <laughs> no of course and, not and, and not talk to anybody so so it's a little bit of work but um, yeah you know I think I'm quite a you know introvert sometimes people think I'm aloof but it's actually that I'm just quite shy but um, um, I'm yeah I'm not sure how that how that came about <laughs> if it was just all the time with my head in the water <laughs> that because uh, you know something can be quite insular I uh, also used to stutter a lot when I was younger, and uh, so it was difficult for me to just to start conversations. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the stutter seems then to have gone completely. Not completely. It is still something that um, that I grapple with sometimes. But I must say, if you had told you know, 25, 30 years ago that I would do more than 400 talks to corporates and schools and do you know, radio interviews like this, <laughs> that. I wouldn't believe at that time it was something that was very difficult for me. It was me and my best friend. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not sure who taught who, you know, how to stutter, but um, uh, yeah, um, I think it's over. And and uh, I've got a couple of you know tools that I use to yeah, just to keep you on the straight and narrow, as absolutely. it were. As it were. One of the other things I find interesting when I read about you being a, a recluse is that um, <laughs> quite a recluse. actually no, let's say what did I say? So introvert. An introvert. Yeah, an yeah. introvert. It's quite different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Was there your, a love of books that apparently you have, like biographies, especially that sort of thing? And that you really enjoy getting away from it all in a sense and reading, getting lost in a book. Is that true? Yeah, yeah that's uh, – I mean, who doesn't? You well, know? these days you sometimes get worried about that, don't you? That yeah. You're not reading. Yeah. No, it's – I mean, obviously – So you can be a role model in more ways than one <laughs> as a reader. Yeah, no, I mean, I enjoy reading. I enjoy, you know, reading and trying to learn, you know, practical – you know, applications to my own life. Um, it, it's it's been um, uh, you know it's helped me obviously through my sport. Um, helped me uh, you know to visualize um, and um, also helped me with my transition from you know sports into a life after sports, which for most athletes it, it it's the biggest challenge. It's not the challenge of how to be successful, but it's that how do you transition? And then you know, there's you know, there's very few manuals of how to do that. But and you're doing a bit of that, aren't you? You you you've set up something, or you're doing something. Just explain to me to help people who have been hugely successful sort of move into perhaps out of the limelight, yeah. and to get on with things. Um, I haven't set up a formal, you know, organization or you know, business for it, but um, I do enjoy you know, mentoring young, you know, young athletes. Um, I'm very proud of um, uh, you know one of the guys that I was his mentor and manager for nine years. His name is Cameron Finneberg, also you know an Olympic gold medalist, you and know him um, well. he just moved now to London, working for a hedge fund there in London. Within you know six months of of you know, ending his career and and um, very well-rounded young gentleman and um, so I enjoy that because from the outside it can look like everything is going well and that you're quite successful but uh, you know it's a difficult thing it's almost like that person dies the swimmer or the rugby Gosh. player or whatever yeah. it is yeah. and and um, you know quite similar to when somebody retires after a corporate career of you know forty fifty years and those kind of struggles. This just happens uh, much younger, in their thirties um, or late twenties, and um, yeah, just to prepare them for life after sports and all the adulation that can come with it. And you uh, theoretically have officially retired from swimming, haven't you? Long time ago. <laughs> By long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was eleven years ago. It, it, when pe- people talk to me about swimming, I really have to go. Far back in the files, um, much more in tune now with property and, and you know, uh, let's say luxury brands. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, th- it, it was a big part of my life. And um, do you still swim? Uh, I mean, 
I don't mean just take no, a dip I mean, in the pool. Exercise. I mean, do you swim exercise properly? Yeah. Um, you know, the interesting thing is is that um, in when I was training for probably a good 12, 15 years of my international career, I swam um, on average probably between 15 and 20 kilometers a day, six days a week. Wow. Now... <laughs> If I get to 800 meters, I get bored. And it just shows me w the powerful tool of goals, having having the right goals and being committed, what a person can achieve. Yeah, and it doesn't have yeah. to be in a swimming pool. It can be in anything. It can be in your professional life, your personal life. Because now I don't have a goal anymore to swim, and, and, and I, you know, after a kilometer, I give up. Um, so... Looking back, it's just incredible what I was able to achieve, you know, physically, um, and uh, and I never got bored doing the twenty kilometers a day, over seventy thousand kilometers of training. Did it surprise you to win as spectacularly as you did, or did you? <laughs> that's a silly question. Because, no, I mean, no, obviously no. Obviously, you worked very hard, and the answer is is <laughs> is much more complex than the than the question. You know, I think. What not a lot of people know is that uh, one year before we won the Olympics, we got stone lost at the uh, at the World Championships. The same four guys <laughs> with, with the same coaches. Yeah. And in 12 months, we were able to turn things around completely. We didn't think we were going to win that far. It was the biggest margin of victory in that race ever at the Olympics. But, yeah, you know, I look back at those 12 months be you know, between the absolute failure at the World Championships and, and, and victory and the things that we did. And two of the main things were that we worked together as a team and that we stopped making excuses. We stopped being victims, which I think in South yeah, Africa we, we have a tendency to, to make excuses. to feel like victims. And w when we stopped doing that, uh, some amazing things happened. So... Those are the lessons that I learned then and that I use really every day at work and in my personal life as well. And also in the help you give people. But we will come to that because now we're going to have another piece of music. And I've never heard of Max and Sirin. Is that right? Yes. Max and Sirin? Yeah. Just recently introduced to him by a friend from Copenhagen. Is he Danish? This? Uh, no, 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 not Danish, but um, uh, quite... Um, I think the Danes enjoy, I don't, I don't want to say dark, but a little bit more emotional. Yes, dark <laughs> is right. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and uh, they enjoy coming here, obviously, you know, all the sun. But I think if you, those long winters make you a little bit more dark. Okay, and this piece is called Where Is My Mind? Yeah, so it's a, it's a cover of a, of a very popular song. And um, yeah, it just really you know, struck a chord with me.
Now, there's an artist I've never heard before, Maxon's Siren, the piece called Where Is My Mind? And another choice of Rake Nettling, my guest on People of Note this week here on Fine Music Radio. And, Rake, we've been talking quite a lot about Val de Vie and also your swimming, but I was intrigued. You really do get involved in a whole lot of things. For example, I read somewhere that you nearly drowned when you were very young and that you're very concerned about water safety, and you're active in that. Yes, um, so when I was about five years old, I was playing in a neighbor's pool with you know, some of my friends, and there were some older boys there, and I ended up going into the deep end. And I couldn't swim, so I ended up at the bottom of the pool for a couple of seconds, and uh, some of the older boys jumped in, pulled me out, took me home, told my mom what happened, that I couldn't swim, and because we don't come from a sp- really sporty you know family my dad maybe played a little bit of you know rugby but um you know swimming was definitely not in our family <clears throat> and uh, next day my mom took me to learn to swim school and that's kind of how my you know, how my swimming career started because I almost drowned so it's something that I've always been quite passionate about and and obviously it gave me the opportunity to become a swimmer and to see the world but it's also I've met a lot of people that have lost your family and friends through drowning and it can actually it's quite easy to prevent it it's just um, you know a minimum let's say five to eight swim lessons and um, at least you'll be able to you you know, to save yourself in a sense yeah and just and to be able to <coughs> float just for a minute or two because that's mm. really all you need you know a drowning happens so fast so so that's how I started swimming and um, yeah now I'm um, so I then I started a learn to swim business. So I learned to swim school, turned them into franchises. I've got three, one here in Cape Town, one at Valdivie, and then one in Johannesburg. And in the summertime, we do up to 2,000 kids a week that come for swim lessons okay. and adults as well. Oh. I think in South Africa, with the past and the history that we have, there's a lot of adults that never had the opportunity, but now they get to travel. And um, it really gives me a lot of joy to see the grandmother bringing the, the 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 grandchild and then afterwards coming to us and say, do you do adult as well? Can I also learn? And it, <laughs> it's just so beautiful because it takes a lot of courage for those people to, to, to humble themselves. Yes. And we love teaching adults as well. And then I'm also the, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the CEO of the Princess Charlene of Monaco Foundation. Yes, what is um, that? What is that actually? Obviously the princess used to be a swimmer. We went to the Olympics together in, in, in 2000. She's an Olympic athlete. I've known the princess for almost 25 years. Wow, and, that's um, new. I didn't know that. Yes, and um, <coughs> so her passion is also water safety, and it's just our mission to teach as many teachers and to prevent drownings from going into rural areas and just teaching the basics of how to save somebody, the steps, a lot of education into CPR, we do water safety classes and learn to swim classes all over South Africa. We've got great partners with the NSRI and also with Life Saving South Africa. So it's a worldwide um, organization. She's extremely passionate about it. And um, I'm very honored to be you know, surrounded by a great team here in South Africa, but to help her you know, spread the of word. Of course, of course. Yeah. Surrounded by royalty. And do you travel a lot? Do you get a chance to travel? I think it's one of the perks of my, you know, of my job is that I do get to travel. I recently, I did a trip to Florida, North Carolina, and New York just to go look at, you know, at property and how they do it over there. Do get to, you know, to visit um, uh, the princess in Monaco quite often, which is always, <laughs> always very nice to go to the South of France. Absolutely, gosh. Um, so yeah, so so it's. Um, you know, it's nice that because as a swimmer, you also got to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were swimming in Moscow and Berlin and Rio you know, every week, and it's nice to to get that or or to keep that exposure and to stay on top of the trends. It's interesting that you um, are doing all these things, like the Princess Charlene Monaco Foundation and Child Safety, because presumably your job at Valdivie is quite intense and quite busy. So you must spread yourself. Quite widely, it is quite wide. But I, there's some other, there's some other charities that I also spend a lot of time on. We've got the Valdeby Foundation, which um, we've uh, raised just under 15 million rand in the last three years for organisations in the Paul Franchuk area. And then I'm an ambassador for Laureus Sport for Good Foundation as well. And 
you know, I spent 12 years in America, and um, obviously there's a lot of, in those you know, 12 years, you decide what you're going to do. Are you going to come back to South Africa? And for me, I was also offered to swim for another country. I was offered 50 million rand to swim for I Qatar. I saw that for Qatar, yes, and you turned it down. And Gosh. I turned it down. And, and you know, the, the main thing is, is that for me, although it's a lot of money and if, like, there's a couple of times where I really <laughs> doubted my decision. Thought you were mad. <laughs> yeah. You know, life is about passion. Yeah. And, you know, in, being in South Africa, I was brought up this way as well to, 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 to help others, to be kind always, to treat everybody the same way. But to be able to make a difference um, is a very special thing for me. And uh, so I wish I could do more of it. It's difficult to say no because I get requests all the time. I can't, I can't clone myself. I can spread myself quite yeah. thin, but I can't clone myself and be everywhere. And I still need to pay attention to the business. But um, yeah, it, it, it is a special feeling. And, and uh, you know, my friends and family always ask me, don't I get tired of taking pictures with people? And, and I, and you know, I feel like it's such a blessing for me to be able to, for 30 seconds or two minutes of my life, spend time with somebody to make them feel special, even Mm. if it's just for that day. And the picture that they take goes straight into the deleted folder. But for those moments, and I remember how I felt when I was a youngster and I met somebody that was inspirational. It just gave me that extra little bit of motivation. And uh, so to be able to do that for me is a real blessing. Gosh, Rick, that's a lovely thing to say. So let's ponder that while we listen to your (laughs) next piece of music. Uh, Neil Young, Heart of Gold. Um, Any reason, any special reason for choosing this? Um, It goes back to my university days, I guess. Um, I went to university in Tucson, Arizona. It's in the middle of the desert. We would take road trips to California, Um, just a great road trip song and got I've got very fond memories of those times
That was Neil Young, Heart of Gold. And another choice of my guest on this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio, Rake Nietling. One of the things I wanted to ask you, which I also read, you spoke earlier about going back to the area where perhaps your grandfather had roots and you felt the roots there. But you were very complimentary about Paul as a town. And I was intrigued by that, I suppose, because living in Cape Town, you think of Paul as being out in the bush, which of course it isn't. <laughs> but what was it? Explain what is it about Paul that you find so extraordinary? Uh, you, you know, if you if you take all the traveling and maybe the Olympic gold medal and all of that away, at heart I'm just a Afrikaans Buddhist <laughs> Afrikaans <laughs> boy. Quite, and I enjoy being outdoors. I enjoy, you know, just friendly people, and I think that's really what Paral is for me. It's, it's, um, it's for me. It's, it, it really is like going back to how I grew up in the, you know, in the eighties. It's a small town. I always look at the children, mm-hmm. and you know, I've got these swim schools and swim teams in different areas in the, you know, in the country, and the kids from Paral. 15, 16-year-old boys are still walking around barefoot. They still come and shake your hand with a, you know, a strong grip. Just good, good manners. Down to um, earth. Down to earth. Yeah. The town is, some people might think it's sleepy, but um, I enjoy that kind of lifestyle. Um, it took me uh, less than 40 minutes to drive in, uh, you know, today. And uh, so you have everything that this beautiful city of Cape Town can offer us. They've got the international airport, all the facilities, but I'm 40 minutes away. It's quiet at night. Actually, my friends, when they go out there, it scares them a little bit that it's so Mm. quiet. And I just love that lifestyle. (laughs) I can come into the city and I can get my buzz and fix here. Uh, But for the majority of the time, I'm out there. And, um, you know, that's really what the people that understand that um, uh, um, or they experience it and it's been a big part of our success at Valdivie. Um people that want that type of lifestyle um, it's r- true country living really mm-hmm. Do you have a family? Uh, I don't have a family of my own but my family from Bloemfontein are all moving down to the to the Cape Winelands, so um, uh, oh, are they? Too? Yes, okay. yeah. So they moved from Bloemfontein. They've been there for their whole lives. Yeah. Unfortunately, Bloemfontein is um, there's no nice way to say it, but it's kind of falling apart. Okay. And um, yeah, things I think things in the Winelands are um, are uh, looking up. Are looking up, and <laughs> I'm looking forward to you know, to welcoming them. Yeah, that'll yeah. be nice of you. I actually meant because aren't you you got married recently, didn't you? No, I didn't. I oh, okay. Didn't, I didn't. I'm all confused. <laughs> okay, um, Rake. Then also, just as a as a last thought, um, when you are relaxing, I think the, you 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 enjoy going for a run around the property and that sort of thing, and really enjoying the environment in which you stay. Absolutely, um, I enjoy being outdoors. Um, um, we are blessed with. Honestly, I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, uh, near the Western Cape. Yeah. The variety of lifestyle uh, activities that it offers is really unmatched. Um, and I, so I try to enjoy that. I enjoy, uh, obviously, wine. I make my own wine as well. We've got a wine, we wine farm and wine. We haven't even got there yet. <laughs> That's another whole program wine to talk about farm and wine. wine cellar so uh, so i enjoy that as well and um yeah, yeah so i think that's that's and then obviously i travel and you know uh, feel very blessed to be able to explore new places in the world it's very interesting to see how humble you are rick because you have had certainly a career that could have made you an insufferable pompous person <laughs> and clearly you're not but just very briefly on the wine just tell me briefly what wines you make um White and red, we focus, I think, our speciality are the Rhone style. So the Rake-Nietling, I think this is uh, now the seventh vintage of the Rake-Nietling. Um, so it's, the brand is called Valdivie. We've got another brand called Polo Club. 
and then within the Valdivy range, you've got the Rake Nietling, which is which is obviously my favorite yeah, yeah. <laughs> and our best seller. Okay. Um, so if anybody wants to come out, uh, we've also got three restaurants on the estate as well, so you can enjoy the wines at the restaurant. Oh, excellent. Are the wines available in bottle stores or mostly just from you? The wines will be available in some fine fine wine stores and some top restaurants in the next few months. We're doing quite a big push now so okay. we're working with our distributor to, so <laughs> you know, to get it out there that's something to look forward to a rate necklace wine okay well we need to end now but thank you Rake, for talking well, to us you, and Rene. for being so interesting and your last piece of music is by bob dylan what well how did this enter the um for me this is quite this is um quite a significant one because when i moved from bloemfontein to America as an 18-year-old. I could hardly speak English. And within the first week of moving into my dormitory, literally right across the street, 30 meters away, Bob Dylan was playing a concert in the hall. Good gracious. And this, I mean, how American can you get? And for me, it was just, I couldn't believe that this was the world that I was in. And um, I didn't have a ticket. And but like most you know, South Africans, we don't let that get in the way. Sometimes <laughs> a boormaker plan, <laughs> a boormaker plan, <laughs> and uh, and I tried all the doors, and eventually one of the doors, the side doors, opened and went up to the top and um, watched you know Bob Dylan playing 30 meters from where I was sleeping, and and um, for me it was just kind of the possibility also of this new world um, in America. And taking the opportunities, and and uh, so it's very symbolic for me. Okay, and it's called blowing in the wind. That's right, Nettling, Thank you for being an inspiring and uplifting guest, and um, I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you very much for the opportunity. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand Listen, how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing How many years can a mountain exist Before it is washed to the sea Yes, and how many years can some people exist Before they're allowed to be free Yes, and how many times can a man turn his head Pretend that he just doesn't see Answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Listen, how many times must a man look up before he can see the sky? How many years must one man have Before he can hear people cry Yes, and how many deaths will it take Till he knows that too many people have died The answer, my friend, is blowing in People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. 
This May, Peter Turin presents Macbeth at Theatre on the Bay, starring Stephen Jubber, Matthew Baldwin, Taylor Ramsamy, David Viviers, and Marcel Mayer in the title role. Does absolute power corrupt? Absolutely. Don't miss Macbeth from the 15th of May to the 1st of June. Directed by Fred Abramser, only at Theatre on the Bay. Book now.